Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. In this episode of the Law Enforcement Today Show, we'll be talking with Houston Gass, a police officer who survived a shotgun wound to the face. And also joining us will be Patrick Shaver. Patrick is a police officer, a film producer, director, and he's got a documentary about a police officer who was shot and killed in the line of duty. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Joining us on the phone, we have a world traveler, Patrick W. Shaver. Patrick is a police officer. He's also a filmmaker, a documentary maker, movie producer, director, and and a good friend. Uh, Patrick, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for the invitation, Jay. It's good to have you. A little bit of backstory. Patrick has been on the show before. We had him on to talk about his experience as a police officer and his first major film documentary called Officer Involved, which, by the way, is a tremendous film. Everybody involved in law enforcement, anybody who has a loved one in law enforcement or if you're working around the field, should watch it. Lawyers, he should watch it as well. And uh, Patrick also filmed our first Cops and Cabins mini documentary and went with us to Georgia for that. And now you have a new film that is been submitted and has been accepted to lots of film festivals. Tell us about that film. Yeah, so the documentary is called Dink Keller, and it's based on Kyle Dink Keller. Now, if you're in law enforcement, I'm sure you've seen the video. It's about the worst dash cam video ever captured. And there are some contenders for bad ones. But this was one of the ones that, that really stood out to me when I was in the academy and made an impact on me. It's a deputy from Lawrence County, Georgia. He pulled over a motorist uh, at the side of the highway. This was 1998. And the man was a Vietnam veteran. And the man started some antics at the side of the road. And, and Kyle tried to get control. And at one point, he lost control. The man pulls a rifle out of his vehicle, and Kyle starts to order him to drop it. And what happens next are, are just horrific scenes, and, and that really stuck with me in the academy. So anybody that's just heard that description is going to be familiar with that video. So at the end of Officer Involved, I reached out to Kyle's father, 
and I asked him, hey, it's been 20 years. I've never seen anything done about your son. I would love to put together a documentary about who he was as a person. And everything else just kind of took off from there. I applaud you for doing that because, and you've, I have discussed this before in the news media, uh, and in, I'll throw Hollywood in this as well. When there's an officer involved shooting, whether the officer survives or not, sadly in this case, Kyle Dinkeller did not. They never seem to talk about who this this man or woman was as a husband, a wife, a father, a, a mother, member community. They they just talk about police officer, and it's almost like the individual's information is not necessary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's something that we're seeing time and time again. In Kyle's case, Kyle had an outpouring of community support back when he was killed, but th- we're talking 20 years ago now. So he had a, a, a lot of strong support for him and his family. The other side of that issue is come 20, I, I want to say 2015, um, when the killer was executed, the media actually portrayed him as a sick Vietnam veteran with PTSD and, and how dare we put this man to death. That was really an interesting perspective considering the horrific incident itself. You know, I'd love to tell you, I watched the video and the truth is, I've seen some of it and I can't watch it. It's that horrific. Mm-hmm. I've read an overview. If people do a, a Google search for Dink Keller and Kyle will come up on Wikipedia and it'll describe in detail what happened and it, it does not look like the actions of a mentally ill person in the classic sense that people would be defending them. Right. And I, and I want to mention a point and, and I, I say this whenever I put on screenings of Dink Heller, Andrew Howard Brannon was a Vietnam veteran. He did have PTSD. He originally had, I want to say 85% disability. It was later reclassified to 100% disability for PTSD. So that is, that, that's beyond question. He absolutely did. However, when he attacked Kyle Dinkeller at the side of the road in Lawrence County, Georgia, he yelled at him, I'm a GD American combat veteran. Now, that's the important part of that, that scenario, because later it was portrayed as, well, he was in a flashback and he didn't know what was going on. He put himself in the present tense in that moment by saying, I'm a Vietnam combat veteran. He didn't say I'm an American soldier. And that was overlooked by the major news sources. You know, this is a horrific scenario because on one hand, you know me, my heart bleeds for our our veterans, our combat veterans. And what so many of them come back with and have to deal with between post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury. You know, these, these people are my brothers and sisters and I'd do anything to help them. On the other hand, as a retired law enforcement officer, I have the same passion for defending and supporting the families of our fallen brothers and sisters. This was a scenario where it's a, it's a lose-lose for everybody. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and I, I just want to drive home this point that that yes, he did have PTSD. However, when he referred to himself as a Vietnam veteran, he was no longer in combat. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. That he wasn't in combat in Vietnam. Yeah, I got. So, I, I, I agree with you one hundred percent in that. And the, the, and people will need to understand that 
when it comes to legalities and criminal defenses, and I'm not a defense lawyer, Patrick is not either. Uh, when you talk no. about not guilty by reason of insanity, it's driven by the definition of does a person know r- difference between right and wrong at the time. That's, yeah. the, that's the overriding factor. Uh, the people that have PTSD or bipolar or uh, schizophrenia, what they'll look at is did that person at the time have the ability to decide between right and wrong? And that's what it comes boils down to. I'm not saying the person wasn't mentally ill. Right, right. And and this band by 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 all accounts, yes. PTSD, but I'll also say this, and this this I found in his records while I was doing research on this. I actually got a hold of some of his medical records. He was an angry man. He was a hermit. He wanted to be left alone. So let's just say he lived out his life in the woods in his cabin and nobody ever stopped him, he probably would have come and gone from this earth, and nobody would have given him a second thought. And that's what he wanted. He wanted to be in the woods. But the moment this 22-year-old good deputy pulled him over, he felt challenged, and that's when the attack began. And by all accounts, it was a vicious, violent, premeditated. There was a period of time of, of 30 seconds but before shots were fired when he was armed with a rifle before he decided to fire. 26 seconds from the first order Kyle gave him to drop the weapon. 26 seconds passed until the first shot was fired. And and you and I both know this. A lot of the listeners know this. When you're involved in a situation like that, every single second counts. 26 seconds was an eternity. Yeah, because time really does seem to slow down tremendously in these shooting situations. It's almost like a time warp. Uh, We were talking with Patrick Shaver, uh, police officer, film director, producer of documentaries. We're talking about his latest film, Dink Heller. You're listening to Law Enforcement Today. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Gauls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Gauls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Gauls.com today. We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program, offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. 
online at transformationstreatment.center. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-569-2507. That's 800-569-2507. Again, 800-569-2507. Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Now there's a way you can take back control with one simple call. If you owe $10,000 or more in credit card debt, you qualify to receive a free, no-obligation consultation on how to get rid of that debt for good. Call the Debt Helpline now. We work on your behalf to reduce your debt. We specialize in credit cards, retail store cards, and medical bills. One simple call is all it takes to get the ball rolling to a debt-free life. Stop living with debt and start living your dreams. Call the Debt Helpline now. 800-948-6817 That's 800-948-6817 The Law Enforcement Today Show brought to you in part by Galls G-A-L-L-S dot com Again, their website is G-A-L-L-S dot com They've been supplying first responders, police officers, law enforcement, public safety, firefighters for more than 50 years. And they got a huge selection of products that anybody can use from outerwear, boots, clothing, you name it. They got it at galls.com. Back to the Law Enforcement Today studios, joined by Patrick Shaver talking about his latest film, Ding Keller. And this just is... A horrifying situation. Uh, the video, the shooting he was killed was in 1998, correct? Yes, 1998. And almost every police officer has been on the job since then has seen the dash cam video of this incident, either in the police academy or in service training afterwards. Yes, uh, absolutely. There's this video and then there's the Mark Coates video, which often get put together as, as the most horrific videos that are out there. I don't want to see any of them. I just, I'll yep. be honest with you, talking about them makes me uh, a little sick to my stomach. And that's probably just from what I've been through. So you decided to do this film and you talked to his family first, got their permission. And h- how difficult of a process was it in, in creating this film? You know, there, there were some challenges along the way and those challenges got integrated into the film. The first thing when I reached out to his father, I said, I know you're a follower of our Facebook page. I recognize that name anywhere. Uh, I'd like to make this movie. And I said, but I want to make it a short. I want it to be a short documentary about who Kyle was as a person, because that's what's missing from this conversation. And I said, we don't need to talk about 
some of the rumors that he was a troublemaker and what have you. And Kyle's father said to me, what do you mean my son was a troublemaker? And I said, well, that, that's the way that this is explained is that he had gotten in trouble and he was told if you use force again, you'll lose your job. And he said that never happened. And so as I started reaching out to other people that were familiar with Kyle, I found some really interesting information. But I went from Kyle's father to his daughter, who was two years old at the time of his death. She agreed to go on film, and she shared the legacy of her father, but also Kyle's immediate supervisor. His name is Darren Mitchum. He's now the sheriff of Twiggs County, Georgia. He was Kyle's sergeant, and he had nothing but amazing things to say about him. And where did these rumors come from about being a troublemaker? Was that just something that came out of the media or the defense team or what? I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure where those rumors came from. I've spoken with a lot of different people that have heard that rumor that he was told, if you ever use force again, you're going to lose your job. There's, I don't want to call it a seed of truth to that rumor because it, it doesn't reflect. It, I don't want it to reflect poorly on Kyle, which it didn't. Something did happen that involved a traffic stop and, and Kyle getting spoken with, but it, it didn't one bit involve the use of force. In, in any aspect. And we actually were able to parse that out in the film and get to the bottom of the exact situation, exactly how it happened, and how that may have weighed a little bit on Kyle's mind, but it had nothing to do with force, nothing to do with a troublemaker. In fact, I've been told that he, he hadn't used force in his career at all, or at least any time that he would have been spoken to about it. That fact in itself is amazing because it's, I'd find it difficult to be a law enforcement officer for any extended period of time and never have a situation where you would have to use force. Uh, just, especially by today's definitions, 1998's definitions were, were totally different than today's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, they were a, a lot different. And we're talking about rural Georgia and Kyle worked on the ice team. That was the interstate criminal enforcement team. So he was doing a lot of uh, traffic stops that involved speeders and narcotics. So that was a pipeline, um, but, basically, for the, the smuggler routes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I-16 ran right through there, and, and Kyle was involved in some, some really amazing cases. In fact, uh, one of the bigger ones happened just before he was killed that day. But by all accounts, he was a great deputy. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't get in trouble. People loved him. I even spoke with a sheriff. Now, this is the second part of the film. This is what turned this film into a feature from a, a short I sat down with Kyle's sheriff, and I spoke with him, and he had nothing but positive things to say about, about Kyle Ben Keller. I was told this, and this is a good thing to point out to your listeners. If you've ever heard this rumor that Kyle was some kind of a hard charger that, that would get in trouble, it was explained to me this way. If he was that type of guy, and he was a hard charger, and he was the type of guy that got in trouble, that situation would have ended up differently. He'd probably have been far more aggressive. He would have been far more aggressive in that moment. Yep, that's that's exactly how it was explained to me by several people that know him. And there are those out there that, and I know it's their job, when they watch these videos and they do it for the intent of saving lives of other officers, other first responders, that will critique everything that Kyle Dinkeller did for the purposes of improving officer safety. Sure. By all accounts, he did everything the best he could at the time with what he knew. Yeah, with what he knew. And, and what, what I broke it down into the movie, because I did come to a conclusion based on what I felt, what I broke it down into is that he's, he's a 22-year-old kid. He hasn't been a police officer or a deputy all that long. Yes, he's very well-trained. 
he was great with his pistol. He was great in firearms. But he went up against a Vietnam vet where every move was more heinous than the one before. Right. And here you've got this 22-year-old deputy. And I've watched Kyle's dash cam. Somebody gave me six hours worth of his dash cam footage from different stops that he was involved in. I released a little bit of it. But he always had everyone under verbal control. And, and I can say this by watching his videos. Everyone was always at all times under his verbal control. He knew what he was doing. In this situation, Brandon was never under his verbal control. So you've made the film. And I do recall when you were doing it, you didn't say what it was about. You, you yeah. said that it was something that everyone would know in, in the law enforcement family and that there was some controversy behind it. And you were going to you do your best to address all that. So the use of force, the hard charger, and making uh, troublemakers, it all addressed in the film and found to be not yeah, true. It's, it's all addressed in the film. It's all found not to be true. There was something that happened, and it's that something that becomes the second half of the film. And that has to do with the traffic stop that he had made a couple months before that situation. I got and talked was, to was, so many times as yeah. a rookie officer with my sergeants and by senior officers because I made mistakes. And that's a big part of how you learn to do your job. You know, it doesn't mean you're, you're uh, a horrible officer. It means you're learning. Right. Right. And, and, I, and I do want to point this out for any, anybody that's listening, especially anybody that knew Kyle. All we can do is speculate where the hesitation came from. That's all we can do 20 years later. The tactical lessons of the situation itself have been learned. This film is about who he was as a person. So one of the big lessons in this film is that we need to be mindful as officers on the ground, but also as supervisors, we need to be mindful of what we're saying to the, to the officers on the ground. Or when you're the officer down there and you're getting an order, you need to be mindful that, you know, this isn't the be all and all of your career. This, you might just have to go do something today. Right. In this case, we, we talk in the film exactly what that something is. And I've said this before. I, I'd never heard the sound of a jaw drop until I sat in a room with uh, 300 people at the premiere and it all happened at the same time. So wow. Tell us about this really premiere. You, you're like all over the National Film Festival circuit with this film. How is that going? So far, it's been really good. I've been really happy. We got into the New York City International Film Festival. We got into the Macon, Georgia Film Festival that was last weekend. We've got Niagara Falls coming up, um, Knoxville. But yeah, it's, it's been a great experience. Officer Involved didn't get a great reception from film festivals. I've got an idea why, but it had a very good public reception from, from both sides of the coin. So Dean Keller has gotten into six festivals and then it won an award for Best Documentary Directing in the Colorado International Film Festival. My congratulations to you. Where can people get more details about the film? Is it available for sale yet? No, not yet. We're, we're still in the festival phases right now, what they call the festival circuit. So we're hoping to get in a few more. But they can go to DinkHellerMovie.com and they can find, about it, uh, find out about it and, and watch the trailers. They can also visit our Facebook page, which is Officer Involved Project, and we post a ton of updates on that. Officer Involved Project is a Facebook page, and DinkHellerMovie.com is the website. Patrick W. Shaver, my friend, my brother, thanks so much for joining us today. Much appreciated. Thank you, Jay, for the opportunity. We're going to take a short break. Then we've got another great guest heading your way in just a few moments. This is Law Enforcement Today. <laughs> 
Do you owe back taxes to the IRS? Newsflash, the president has changed the tax laws. And now, you may be able to pay the IRS less. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, the tax doctor can help you pay the IRS as little as possible allowed by law. There are new tax laws for business owners, the self-employed, even W-2 workers. If you have a back tax problem or a few years of unfilled returns, new help to save you money is now here. Call right now to see how the new tax laws can help you. Plus, right now, we'll waive the consultation fee and give you a free tax savings report. Attention business owners, the self-employed, and W-2 workers. Make this free call to the tax doctor now and learn how to take advantage of the new tax laws that may help you pay the IRS less. 800-663-5107. As a small business owner, there's one word that you absolutely dread. Payroll. For small businesses, it's a big burden. You may think you're saving time and money doing it yourself. But come on, are you? Timesheets, processing checks, calculating taxes, a total waste of your time. Paychex simplifies payroll processing, saving you time and money. Submit your payroll online, fax it in, or call your dedicated Paychex payroll specialist. And you're done! Learn more at trypaychex.com. Come on, do the math. The IRS dishes out 8 million penalties a year. Make one mistake and you're on the hook. On average, you're losing nearly one business day every month doing payroll. That's time and money you'll never get back, unless you get paychecks. More than half a million small businesses already do. Call 877-375-3164. Trade payroll pressure for peace of mind. Call now. 877-375-3164. That's 877-375-3164. There are many sounds in your daily life. Ones that make you smile. (laughs) Ones that help you relax. And there are some sounds that can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts, now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you critical information about emergencies in your area. With updates from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know wherever you are. Learn more at ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. And now, back to the studios, this is Law Enforcement Today. We've got a follow-up here on the Law Enforcement Today show calling us all the way from texas we have houston gas houston was on the show with us quite a few months ago back when robert greenberg the ceo of law enforcement today was my co-host houston was on the show with his wife jessica and uh, houston thanks for joining us again hey thanks jay it's a, an amazing story for those who don't know and i'll have houston explain it to you houston was with the pampa Texas Police Department, and I believe you were a sergeant at the time, and you were shot in the face with a shotgun, of course, caught all the debris, and were horrifically injured. And you've made amazing physical and mental recovery, returned to full-duty police work, and now your mission has changed. And we'll get into that in a minute, because it's an important piece of information. But let's just go back to that day. Tell people a little bit about what happened. Well, uh, I got called into work early that morning, and uh, as soon as I went on duty, the day shift patrol sergeant was calling for extra units to come assist him at a domestic disturbance. Whenever we got there, the suspect had uh, already fired shots at his girlfriend, and 
barricaded himself inside the house, made several attempts uh, for quite a while to establish communication with him, but was unsuccessful in that. So we went ahead and made made the decision to make entry into the house. Whenever we searched for him, uh, we got into the far back bedroom uh, and hadn't located him yet. There was still one door left. We made our plan to open the door, and as soon as I touched the doorknob, the suspect fired through with a uh, 12-gauge shotgun, and I was somewhere in the neighborhood of about 12 to 16 inches away from the barrel whenever you consider it coming through the door. And that's such Uh, a devastating weapon. For a close injury, I mean... All weapons scare me. I, I never want to be shot, but man, the thought of taking a 12-gauge round is particularly horrifying. Yeah, it, it wasn't exactly what I was planning on doing that day. No. Um, you know, we were planning on going in and getting a bad guy and taking him to jail and doing our paperwork, and that's it. You yeah. know, I mean just like any other cop does. I mean, that's exactly what they plan on. They don't They don't ever think about the fact that they could be the ones not getting to go home that day. Now, one of the things that's pretty curious, and I've, I've told my wife and other people that, you know, when I was on raids, when I did room entries, all that sort of stuff, and granted, they have far more training nowadays than we had way back in the old days, but there wasn't a whole lot of time for fear. You had heightened adrenaline, but you were just doing your job. You had a job to do. It was before going into these houses before making entry that I always wound up praying saying, Oh my goodness, you know, this could be, this could be ugly, but it's ironic. If I had time to think about what I was doing, that's when fear set in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, whenever we were standing outside the house, uh, trying to establish communication, I tell you what, I, I can't, think of a time where my heart rate was ever higher and I can't think uh, of a time whenever that that actually I had I actually had more fear than I ever that day than any other time I get uh, it of course you know whenever it's time to enter you know you you just do it um, it it becomes second nature you know, the longer you the longer you have to think about some things, I think the worse off you are. It is. And when we had like things happen on view, suddenly it was a different you just went to your you, you resort to your training and your instincts. But when we're sitting there preparing for these situations, and you are so right when you said that's where fear really starts to set in, and yet you, just like every other officer out there, goes in and does her job anyway, because that's what we do. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we're, we're, we're taught in the academy to go ahead and grab the bull by the horns, if you will, and, and just take control of the situation. Uh, and that's exactly what we did. You know, we somehow, I, I don't under, and I still to this day don't understand how we do it. I just know that we do it. Yeah. We can semi control that fear whenever it comes right down to having to jump in and go to and go do it yeah it's difficult to describe and like you said i don't know to this day but it's an oath it's a mission 
And we honored that mission. And no matter what our fear level was, that we did them. And once we started into the act of entering a room, then it was, I have a specific job to do. And that's what I focused on and just trying to make it through. So you're there. It's a domestic. We know that domestics, you just never know what you're going to get. And you, you go to the very last door, the very last possible place this guy could be hiding. And he shoots at you through a wooden door with a 12-gauge shotgun. Mm-hmm. Where were you hit? Uh, I was hit on the left side of my face. Uh, essentially, whenever I got hit, uh, it, it virtually cut my jaw in half with the force that was there, left a giant hole in the side of my face, knocked out all my teeth. You know, it was, uh, it was a bad day. That's, that's one way of putting it. A bad day, that's a term that's used quite often when people say, I'll ask my wife, how's your day? Oh, I had a bad day. I got stuff, stuck in traffic. Or people were impatient. A bad day in police work a bad day for our military, a bad day for our first responders, our firefighters. It's a totally different scenario. We're talking about life and death stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's not uh, getting stuck behind some joker that doesn't know how to use his blinker or something. Yeah, although that, that does get pretty frustrating from time. I haven't solved that. I haven't solved the riddle to that one yet. So you're shot in the face, and I, I hate to say it that way because it sounds so trite or that i'm not taking seriously i'm only saying that because we've talked we haven't met yet but i remember from your first explanation that you were shot you had devastating injuries devastating Mm -hmm. facial injuries and your wife was summoned because they weren't sure if you're going to make it Uh, you're in the hospital and you the question was did you ever lose consciousness during that incident when you were in the house? No. I never lost consciousness at all. Uh, it knocked me on my butt, and it kind of knocked me uh, for a loop for just a few seconds. But uh, I never lost consciousness. I could instantly feel the pain. Uh, I remember hearing everything going on. The only thing that I lost during that time was my eyesight. My eyesight completely just shut down Mm -hmm. uh and i think that i think that scared me probably more than anything at the time because you know all of a sudden i couldn't see and if you can't see you kind of feel like you don't have any control left yeah how do you defend yourself if you can't see all of a sudden exactly from your point of view you weren't sure the threat was gone you know i remember I remember day shift sergeant uh, laying down cover fire. Of course, at the time I didn't know, I didn't know who was laying down the cover fire. I just remember hearing the shots and getting drug out of the room because I couldn't function. I mean, I was out of the fight uh, as soon as that shotgun hit me. Thankfully, I had the three men with me that I had. Because uh, essentially, they they really saved my life by acting as quickly as they did. And that's the other thing that that law enforcement officers do all the time. And our other first responders, it's about saving lives. We are talking with Houston Gas. He survived a horrific shotgun blast to the face while he's a member of the Pampa 
Texas Police Department. Uh, we've got a lot more to talk about. Recovery, what happened next. I'll give you a hint. He went back to full duty and where his mission is heading now. You listen to Law Enforcement Day. We'll be right back. Public safety professionals are regular people that heroically rush forward. Despite the fire or the storm, despite the worst of society and the undeserved contempt, they rush in to save, to protect, to hold our nation together. For more than 50 years, Gauls has stood with our troops stationed abroad and with our nation's first responders who serve us here at home every day. Gauls, proud to serve America's public safety professionals. Visit Gauls.com today. Epidemic, America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center, call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Wow. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of that thing. Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Back to our conversation with Houston Gas on the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley Houston. We're going to fast forward a little bit. For those, by the way, who did not hear all the story, and it is a tremendous story involving Houston Gas and the perspective of his wife, Jessica Gas, when Houston was shot uh, and severely injured. Check out the past editions of the Law Enforcement Today podcast on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, also available on our free app, which you can download at our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and uh, get all the details there. So you're in the hospital. You underwent approximately how many surgeries? 18 surgeries. Over how long a period of time? Uh, Over 27 months. Wow. And I believe in our last conversation, you said you wanted to do more, but you said I'm done. Yeah. You know, uh, the docs have functionally gotten everything back the way it needs to be. And they offered me the chance to fix the scars and make it look a little more presentable. But, you know, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm kind of proud of the scar. I'm kind of proud of what I earned. I know that may sound weird to some people, but for what it is that my goal with all of this is, the scar gives me 
the SCAR gives me credit with those guys because they can see that I've been there, been through something. Mm-hmm. You know, they may not know exactly what, but they know that I've been through something and they can tell that I've been through a war. And that's, you know, you, you do whatever you can to make sure that you have some credibility with these guys. We say these guys, who are you referring to? Through other injured officers. The, the opportunity has come up to do some work with uh, a group called the Emergency Operations Proving Grounds, or EOPG for short. And their, their main function is to, to get all first responders to be able to communicate and work together as, as efficiently as possible, whether it be fire, EMS, dispatch, police, get everybody all on, on the same page. But there's also a secondary part to this is where they are honoring those who have been severely injured doing this job. Mm-hmm. And there are quite a few. There's it's a staggering number. Most people don't. Most people don't think of it because what they hear in the news or the newspaper, they'll say the officer will survive. They're not life-threatening injuries, and that's all they talk about. And they have no concept of the devastation that officer and their family is going through afterwards. Well, exactly. You know, non-life-threatening doesn't mean non-life-changing. Right. And, you know, non-life-threatening to some people, they I, I hate the, I hate the way they – they use that term because whenever you use non-life-threatening injuries, they make it sound like it's really minor, you know, like it was just a just a little, you know, surface wound. Right. You know, when in fact, you know, we're laying in there, we got tubes coming all out of us, we suction machines, breathing machines, all kinds of stuff going on, you know, that uh, has literally changed the way we do life in general. Yeah. And it has a huge impact on our families. So many family members, so many spouses wind up having to leave their jobs to become caregivers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, my wife took care of my wounds for a long time, you know, and I, there's something humbling about that because that is not, that is not something that I planned on my wife ever having to do was to to take care of such nasty grotesque wounds it's horrific you know whenever you you consider the price that your spouse pays in that especially whenever you're the recipient of that it's it becomes it it almost becomes too much for for one person to handle and quite often, that, that is the case, that, that uh, relationships wind up ending because they just can't deal with it. When we left off in our first interview, which, by the way, you can hear on our website, lawenforcetoday.com, you were getting ready to get back into active law enforcement, and you took a job uh, where? Uh, I took a job as the chief of police in uh, Fritch, Texas. Uh, which is basically about in the same area as Pampa, just about 40 miles west of there. And you Uh, really wanted to get back to law enforcement. It was like a a driving mission for you. It it, it really was. I think uh, just, just the way I was raised, Jay, I had to know that I could get back and do it. 
I, I had to know for my own personal uh, state of mind. I, I had to know that I could do it. And after doing that for a period of time, you've made an announcement that you are leaving police work and you are going to Emergency Operations Proving Grounds, EOPG, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. And your mission in life has changed. What are you going to be doing? Uh, we're going to be we're going to be working. Like I said, you know, originally we're going to be doing a lot of training with uh, first responders, but. My main mission in that deal is to to be there for the wounded officers that we're going to be be there honoring, making sure you know we're going to be reaching out to these guys, bringing them in, doing different things, and letting them know that there's somebody else out there that knows exactly what they're going through, and or at least at least something similar as to what they've gone through. Because it seems like that so oftentimes, Jay, departments tend to forget about the ones that are seriously wounded. And, and it's, I, I want to say it's not necessarily the departments. It's the cities and the jurisdictions behind them, the bean counters. They just, they just want you, you off their rolls. Exactly. You know, they start looking at us like we're more of a liability whenever they start seeing a uh, price tag attached to you as opposed to uh, seeing that you're actually still a blessing to your family and you can you can still be there for your family. You know, it's 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 pretty sad. Tell us about emergency operations, proving grounds where people get more details and all of that. Well, it, essentially, you know, like I said, we're. We're here to to get all first responders on an evening on on the same paper, uh, get them on the same drawing board, get it to where police, fire, EMS, and dispatch can all work together in exceptionally high stress situations such as active shooters. Uh, I know there's a lot of stuff going into the schools. Uh, going into churches and things of that nature, uh, some pretty cutting-edge uh, technology that EOPG has gotten access to as far as being able to locate a shooter. And then comes in the stuff for the wounded officer, you know, where we're going to be able to uh, come in and bring them in and possibly uh, do some training with them and and uh, get them ready to go back out on the street and for those that can't still bring them in and let them know that they probably could if uh, if they were medically able to go back so it's about saving lives improving the quality of lives uh, for wounded officers that's what you'll be focusing on and also EOPG and I don't know a lot about them yet but Banning Sweatland and a group out there they're really working hard on helping train like you said all branches of first responders to become more efficient and about saving lives of our citizens houston gas thanks so much for coming on the show it's a pleasure having you back and i understand we'll be hearing some big news about you again in the future involving video yes sir that is correct be looking out through the whiskey patriots and through kyle reyes I can't wait to to debut all of this. Awesome. So your modeling career is not over. No, it's sure not. (laughs) It's just beginning. Uh, Houston, thanks so much, my brother. Appreciate everything. Hey, thank you, Jay.
It's time for the do good, feel good tip of the day brought to you by Transformations Treatment Center. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Call 888-991-9725. Sometimes the best way to feel better about oneself is to do something good for somebody else. But there's a catch. I have to do something good for someone else, but I'm not allowed to tell anybody about it. Try it out. And you don't have to do anything complicated or expensive. There's the old standby. When you're in line, get a cup of coffee, pay for a cup of coffee for someone behind you. Hold the door open for someone and don't expect them to say thank you. That's a tough one for me. How about this one? Going to the grocery store or the shopping center, push your cart back in. Simple little things, doing something good for someone else, whether it be small or big, can make me feel better as long as as I don't tell anybody about it. Got a do good, feel good tip of the day suggestion you want to send in? Email them to me. That's J, J-A-Y at lawenforcementtoday.com. And that was the do good, feel good tip of the day brought to you by Transformations Treatment Center online at transformationstreatment.center. Call 888-991-9725, providing comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. In addition, they have law enforcement, first responder, military veteran treatment segment run by military veterans and first responders. That's Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. If you want to be a guest on the show, just contact us. The easiest way is go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, the contact us tab. Send an email to me, j at lawenforcementtoday.com or robert at lawenforcementtoday.com. You can also send a message via Facebook. We're all over this thing called the World Wide Web, Instagram, and all that stuff, too. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.